Before we get started on this week's show, a quick reminder that we're just a week and a half away from the Terminal Mile Cup Distance Medley Relay Challenge, brought to you by New Balance and combining with Athletics Ontario for their DMR Championships. Register your team today. Last year was a celebration of fast running with everybody getting involved in the action, and I have no doubt that this year will be as well. With prizes again by New Balance, the top club registered teams will be eligible for the Athletics Ontario Championships, and the fastest overall men's and women's teams will have their names etched into the side of the Terminal Mile Cup. Join us August 5th, Mona Campbell Track in Hamilton. Register on the Hamilton PB Twilight Tracky Reg page. Evan Dunphy is an athlete that I can honestly say I'm proud to have made the acquaintance of. His athletic achievements are certainly notable, multiple Canadian racewalk record holder, a fourth place at the Rio Olympic 50km racewalk, medals from an assortment of international competitions. But what really rounds out the entire person is the energy that Evan has put into different causes, including kid sport for who he walked 25km a day for 25 days. It's also fair to say that Evan has really elevated the profile of racewalking in this country sometimes wearing his heart on his sleeve, and certainly always showing his true grit. We caught up with Evan this week before he competes at the Canadian Championships in Montreal. From there, he's off to Peru to chase a win at the Pan Am Games, and rounding off his season, he's going to Doha for the World Championships. Evan is up next. My name is Michael Rokas, and you're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Twitter and Instagram, a Tracky Radio production. One year to go until Tokyo 2020, and I know over this past Olympic build, uh, that has probably meant, um, you know, Tokyo, Tokyo 2020 has meant different things to you. At this point, one year, what's what's it mean to you right now with your current training? Oh, it's, it's getting really exciting now. Um, it, it's hard to really focus on Tokyo right now. Um, it, it's awesome that I'm, I've, I've got that qualifying standard for the 50K. I've checked that major box. I'm... Uh, there's just so many fish to fry before we get there. Uh, Pan Am Games coming up, uh, World Championships. It, it's you know Tokyo is is on the radar, but it's so far down the line still. Despite it only being a year out, that it's kind of just on the back burner a little bit. Um, I'm more just looking forward to to these next uh, few months and really really getting back to that form that that I was you know, in in Rio and and leading up to Rio in, in 2015 and stuff. It's everything's coming back together, so it's it's really exciting. You've been uh, you've been really public with how training has been going. I mean, like you're on Strava, but you also provide a lot of commentary on your on your social media pages as well too. Um, I know the past couple of years haven't uh, exactly been super satisfying. I, I guess is the word I'm looking for here uh, for you. But it looks like things are really coming around. What what do you think the the difference has been? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> To be honest, uh, with the social media stuff, like if I had only talked about positive things, I, I would have disappeared the last couple of years. <laughs> um, so it's important to uh, it's important to talk about those things that are not going well. And, and it really was, uh, you know, last year especially was was hitting my head against a brick wall. Uh, just the hamstring was was totally totally not uh, cooperating, and can't couldn't really string together decent uh, weeks and months of training, and and the, Nothing felt like it was it was coming together, and I was kind of like, "Oh crap! Like, have I peaked? Have I have I done the best I'm ever going to do? Like, am I going to get back to that level ever again?" And this year has been been so much nicer. The the mindset's been so so solidly focused on just consistency, and 
really that's been it. I've put in uh, 3,800K already this year and, and you know, no, no crazy big weeks, um, but just every week in and out getting solid, consistent training done. And I, I think that's made the world difference. And uh, a few things have shifted in my mindset. I think the biggest thing that I've really changed is uh, going away from really proving myself in training. Um, it's been a big adjustment. I used to really love when I was fit going out and doing a workout that told me I was fit and now just really trying to focus on trusting that fitness, trusting that it's there and letting it come out on race day. And, um, that's led to a little bit more, uh, paranoia about what kind of fitness I'm in of going through weeks going like, Oh, am I ready to race? Am I ready to race? But then, um, for example, a couple, three weeks ago going out and breaking the, the Canadian 10k record, um, it was just complete validation of, of this whole system of, okay, just trust, trust in your training, know that you're fit. And when you get a chance to prove it, go for it. But you know, that chance doesn't happen in training. Let's save it for the races. You know, I, I know you've tried a whole bunch of stuff. I, I think it was last year. You, you took almost an entire month off of, off of training. If I remember correctly, do you know, was there a specific, uh, turning point or was it just kind of kind of gradual that that mindset change and and you know eventually turning things around? Yeah, last year I think really really helped in that I took all of May, most of June completely off, um, and then mentally for the rest of that year I was checked out as well. Like I was training, but I wasn't I wasn't training towards anything. I wasn't focusing on on being fit for anything in 2018 for the rest of that year. So um, mentally I was kind of just checked out and and just recuperating and, and kind of gathering gathering all my thoughts and, and figuring out where I was going to go in, in 2019 and 2020. So um, it was hugely valuable, I think, in, in taking that time off and, and resetting and getting myself back and um, did the, did a big kid sport fundraiser in, in the fall as well and, and just was able to put my focuses on that and, and really that reignited the competitive passions that I had in a realm that was completely outside of competition. You know, it was, it was competitive. It was, it was, I was trying to walk 25 kilometers a day for 25 days. There was no, there was no race involved. There was no, how fast can I do these? It was just completely different competitive energy. And I think that really re-sparked, um, you know, that, that fire within, within me to, to really get back to that competitive level and, and do it in a way that was really no pressure. It wasn't a race. It wasn't a, a competition in that sense, but really still took those same uh, energies and focus and, and demands. And um, I think that was hugely vital to, to re-sparking um, how this year's gone. That that kid sport um, event was was just it was it was inspiring to see you know not someone who was who was just you know who was doing this but someone at the top level who is who was doing this and you know you were doing it completely you're going into schools you're you're talking to these kids as well too i'm what kind of inspiration did you draw from that and, and you know like how did they react when you know an olympian someone who's at the top of their game was coming through and and talking with them uh you know about all the things that you talked to, uh, about to them it was so much fun. I mean, we did, so I hit, uh, ended up hitting 26 schools, um, talked over, t- 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 talked over 9,000 kids and it just like, it, it had so many positive impacts. You know, one, 
it just got me way more confident doing public speaking and, and, tell, and sharing my story. So I think I got better and better as it went on. Um, and then connecting with, with the kids and um, getting to hear some of their stories. A bunch of the kids would message me on Instagram and, and stuff like that afterwards and, and want to chat there and, and stuff like that. So just getting to hear their stories a little bit. And there was a couple schools that I'd been to before, so I got to go back to and, and reconnect with, with students and stuff like that. And that's, I think, what was really cool was like seeing seeing kids who would come up to me and show me the autograph card that I had signed for them the first time I was at their school and the fact that they still had it. And it wasn't just this you know, fleeting moment of, oh, some guy came to talk to our school. That was really cool. But then the yo-yo guy came to talk to our school and that was really cool. And I forgot about the other thing. Hmm. Um, it, was, it was really rewarding to see that some of that messaging had resonated and, and stuck with the kids and, um, and then because so many of the schools were local where I train, you know, I, I now, every day I go up, go up for training during the school year, if I was out during uh, recess or during lunch, I'd have hundreds of kids yelling my name. Uh, I'd go past, on most of my training loops, go past three or four of the schools I talked at every day. So, um, you know, now all those kids know who I am and, and cheer for me. And, and that's, that's so awesome. You know, that's the coolest thing ever to go out on a training session on, you know, some some rainy day where you don't really want to be doing it and to have, you know, have a handful of kids yell out, go Evan. Um, it makes it a hundred percent worth it. All right. 38, uh, 38, 54. That's a, uh, that's a time that probably means a whole lot to you. Um, as of late doing it at the BC championship, setting a new national record, uh, breaking your own national record. How did that race go? And what did you you know what are you carrying forward from that what what are the lessons learned from it it was it was such a great race oh, it was so nice to finally finally get a personal best it had been it had been since my 50k in rio uh you know not that i was counting but it had been a thousand and fifty one days between personal best <laughs> in any of my any of the main events so 10k 20k or 50k and up until that point up until 2016 i had pb'd every single year since I started race walking. Now, since I was 10 years old, I had PB'd in at least one event every single year. So it was, yeah, it was just about bloody time. <laughs> it was so rewarding to cross that finish line and, and, and have that, you know, break that national record, break that personal best. And um, it, more than anything, I mean, the pers- my personal best before that officially stood at 39.20, um, that was a Canadian record, but I'd walk faster than that in time trials or in, in the sun run, for example. So races that didn't really count as race walk races, but I knew in the back of my head, I'd walked 3906 before and it, it didn't count because it wasn't official. So to break that 3906, to have my personal best, to be, have the fastest I've ever walked 10 kilometers being in, in an official race just was the best because it, it made in my head, it made everything so much easier because people say, oh, what's your 10K PB? I'm like, oh, you know, I, I've walked 39.20 in a race, but I've also walked 39.06 in this thing. And da, da, da. now it's like, nope, 38.54. That's the fastest I've ever gone. And, and it was, yeah, it was hugely special. And uh, the conditions were perfect. I, I, I didn't know going into the race whether we were going to attack it. Kamloops can be, can be hot and dry. And the last time I raced in Kamloops, it was 40 degrees and... Uh, so we're just kind of like, well, if the conditions present themselves, then let's go for it. We know we're fit. We know that we can attack this record. So we'll just wait and see if 
if that's on the cards and, and woke up that morning and it was. And so, yeah, just, just went after the race hard and even split. It was 39, or it was 1927 through, uh, through 5k and then 1926.9 through the second 5k. So just evenly paced, perfect splits. And yeah, it was, it was a great feeling. You know, I've noticed that, you know, as far as distance events go in Canada, you've you've received quite a bit of attention uh, for that 10K record. You know, I saw, I saw your name in, in a bunch of different major publications. I know that wasn't always the case. Does it does it surprise you to see as much attention, uh, you know, focus on that as there has been? It's pretty awesome that, that people are paying attention, <laughs> you know, like, like especially with how how well our middle distance and long distance athletes in Canada are doing right now. Um, you know, to, to not feel like I'm a, uh, a subscript to not, you know, to, uh, uh, to not feel like I'm a, the, Oh, also Evan did something, um, to be up there with you know, being mentioned alongside Gabby and alongside, you know, all the amazing performances that we're getting right now out of, particularly on the women's side. I mean, our women are absolutely crushing it right now. Um, but you know, Brandon and, and, uh, and Mo and Justin are all running so well on the men's side as well. So just to be in that conversation and to be held alongside those athletes, like that, that, as you said, that hasn't always been the case, you know, race walks always sort of in the past been a bit of an afterthought, a bit of an aside. Um, so it, it is, it's really meaningful for me to be a part of that conversation. Um, for sure. And, and, and to be a part of a conversation alongside such amazing athletes is, is really awesome. You know, that, that's one thing that I've always uh, liked and appreciated about you, Evan, is, is that you're such, uh, you know, not only are you a participant, but you probably keep, you know, some of the closest track of, of what's going on, uh, you know, in the track and field, uh, you know, community uh, of any athlete that I know. What, uh, what races have really caught your eye this year? You know, what, what performances have really inspired you? It's so funny because, you know, last, back in the day, like I, I was such a, I loved, I, I knew all the times I was, you know, I didn't really know these people as athletes. I just knew them as their performances. Um, it wasn't, and then I would start making teams with some of them and, and get to know them as people. But, um, I was still very focused on, oh, so-and-so's run this time, and so-and-so's done this time. And I find that as I've gotten older, and especially this last year, my main focus is, like, I'll, I'll go on Instagram and be like, oh, my God, like, look, like, so-and-so's happy. Like, that's amazing. Like, that's great. And, like, it, it doesn't really matter how they're running. It's just like, oh, it's so great to see, you know, so-and-so's thriving and so-and-so's happy. And, and that's – I can't even tell you what people's times are anymore. I just know that they're racing well and that they're happy and that they're in a good place. <laughs> I just find that, that that's such a, a you know a cliche thing to think about like, as we sort of as we get older and more mature and um, you know the the qualitative side kind of takes over the quantitative side but um, you know seeing seeing yeah we move across to train with Laura Muir and, and to see how much you know that's such a big move that's such a you know that would be such a stressful time in someone's life but to see it pay off the way it has like that that just makes me so happy and uh, you know to see Natasha is one of the big ones as well. Like to see Natasha running so well and just to see her in her daily training environment with, uh, with coach Lynn Kanuka, like she's just so happy. And like that to me, I don't care how fast she's running. 
like to see her when I see her at different races, to see that big smile on her face and to see how positive and enthusiastic she is. That means more to me than how fast she's running now. And I, I think that's been a major shift in, in how I view track and field in the last couple of years. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, you know, I, I had Eric Gillis on last week and it got me thinking about role models and, you know, really heroes of, of the sport. I think anyone who, who takes on anything, you know, has someone that they look to in the field, uh, that they're attempting, whether that be music, whether that be sports, um, in, in your case of, of race walking, there hasn't really been that that highly publicized Canadian race walker before you um you know not certainly not to the to the level that you are who who did you look up to in this sport and and who you know have you drawn inspiration from you know in the people who have come before you yeah I mean certainly in recent memory there was there was a bit of a a lag in, in, in the race walking world despite having in Canada despite having some really amazing talented athletes um uh, I, I know looking back a little bit further than that, race walking, especially in the 70s and 80s out east in Quebec, um, was hugely popular, and, and the athletes there, um, you know, received received the, the the recognition that they well deserved. Um, Guillaume LeBlanc coming away with a uh, silver medal in, in Barcelona in 1992 um, was a perfect example of that. Um, but certainly for me, the the role models that I look towards, um, you know, Tim Barrett was hugely influential and. In, helping me and my coach uh, sort of understand the training that, that's necessary to get to that level. And um, I remember I raced uh, in 2008, early in 2008, when Tim Barrett qualified for the 50K for Beijing. He did so on a track. Did mm. 125 laps around the track, walked uh, 352, I believe. And that was really my first time ever seeing race walk at that level. Um, I had been to world youths, but, um, you know, seeing someone who had gone to the Olympics, seeing someone who could walk for three hours and 50 minutes, um, you know, that was extraordinary to me. And to see the focus and the, the mental resolve that it took to, to meander yourself through 125 laps of the track, which I still can't quite fathom. <laughs> um, yeah. Tim, so Tim has been you know, such a great, uh, role model and, and, guide and influence um and then my own coach jerry dragomir you know he never he, he was never at that elite level he started race walking when he was in his 50s um but he was a huge role model in me for uh for when i started out and when he first started coaching me and and just how his attitude towards things um never ceases to amaze me so race walking was something he just woke up one day and was like ah, i'm gonna go try that and then came away with He's won uh, world masters titles and, and stuff like that. And now he's last year, he decided I'm going to learn how to play the ukulele and just mm-hmm. took up ukulele lessons. And, and just that, that, that mental side, the, the psychological just openness to try things and to experiment to, and to always be learning. Um, that's a big thing I've taken from, from Jerry. So um, yeah, him and I think in the race walking world, him and Tim and then teammates, obviously, I mean, I think Ben and, myself and Anaki all really helped each other grow. Um, I think Anaki especially helped Ben and I grow. Um, there's, there's really no one else out there like Anaki. So, you know, I, I think I owe a huge uh, credit of, of debt to him to help turn me into the person I am today. 
you know, you mentioned Ben and Anaki, and it was just a couple of years ago that, that you three were, you know, swapping Canadian records. Um, you know, Ben Ben got that, that big medal at a, at a World Championships, and, you know, Anaki was, was definitely always out there. You guys really raised the profile of the sport. You know, taking a look at the three of you, did you think that you would be, uh, you know, the, the last man standing, I guess, at this point? Um, yeah, always. Um, <laughs> uh, the pro- I mean, the problem is that Anaki and Ben are uh, so dang talented in uh, in other fields. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I always knew that I was going to be the last last one standing in the racewalk world because they just have you know other fish that they want to fry. Um, you know, Anaki's off being an, an amazing lawyer, and he's the the chair of the athletes commission for the IAAF, and Ben's doing his own amazing things with. Uh, pursuing his education and um it's yeah it, it's, it's definitely not surprising to me that i'm i'm the left i'm left to my own volition now but uh you know they left a couple records on the on the books that are that are just free for me to go and chase after now so um you know that's the plan i i, I wouldn't you know as much as i, I they're going to leave their own legacy with the results that we have and the medals that we won um i certainly want to want to make sure that my name's next to all those records when i retire <laughs> Oh, that's the you know that's uh that's fair enough. That's fair enough. You know, I'm I'm thinking with the uh, with the Terminal Mile Cup just uh, a week and a half away, the Distance Medley Relay Challenge. There's not a, a race walk Distance Medley Relay Challenge, probably for good reason. But yeah, if you were to build a squad of uh, of, uh, of race walkers around you to uh, to try and take that down, who who would that be now? Who are the names of the sport that you'd uh, you'd throw onto your team? Race walking is such a global, you know, there's such a tight-knit community. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a shame that Anaki and Ben have, have stepped aside from race walking because they were great training partners. But, um, you know, that core group of guys that I train with that I head down to Australia to, to, to train with and to be with, um, that's still an amazing group of guys from every corner of the globe. Um, so, you know, if I was building my, my elite four-person, four-man uh team it would be guys that i've trained with before guys that i spend that i'm heading off to train with uh after the pan Am games in, in st moritz um so perseus carlstrom guys an absolute legend um definitely uh bring him out for the for the first terminal mile race walking medley relay when that happens <laughs> um and we'll get him some fanfare uh he won the european race walking cup this year in absolute just demolished the fields um finished the race with a viking hat on just classic classic um uh swedish mentality there so he's definitely on my team uh quentin rue from new zealand the guy's an absolute mark of consistency um he's finished between 12th and 16th at pretty much every major championship since um since 2013 so yeah he's definitely on there for consistency myself as well and uh that fourth guy uh let's put on uh you know World champion, defending world champion, um, Eider Arevlio, uh from Aravalo. Sorry, I should pronounce his name correctly. From uh, Colombia, guys, world champion. I'm going to be going up against them at Pan American Games next week. Um, going to try and take him down. Try to try to stand on top of that podium again. But uh, absolute class, great guy. He's putting him. He's on my team for sure. What do you think that uh, that very top speed of, of a 400 actually is? Like, there has to be some sort of I don't know, critical velocity there. Like what, how fast do you think the fastest 400 could be turned? 
Um, I think I uh, Dane Bird Smith. I think I've seen stuff from him walking, and I and I think when we're talking about doing a four hundred, we have to use the term walking very loosely. <laughs> um, if we were to actually get this on camera and see it, it, it might uh, it, the the contact on having both feet on the ground or having one foot on the ground might uh, not quite be there. But um, I think he's walked like one fifteen or something like that, maybe even quicker. Um, I, I think the fastest 400 I've ever walked in training is like a 118. Um, so there was a big thing uh, about a month ago, two months ago maybe now, Jeff O'Neill, uh, uh, O-Dog from uh, Over, Overdrive TSN Radio. Um, he just one day randomly started talking about race walking and how there's no way that a race walker could beat him over 100 meters. And and this kind of, I got wind of this and I challenged him to a race and, and uh you know, we were really hoping we could make it work, but uh, so I went out to the track to time myself over a hundred just to see what just to scare him a little bit to send him a video to say, hey, like this is this is how fast we're going, hmm. um, and I think I clocked seventeen nine for the hundred. Hmm. Um, so I definitely think that you know that that's I think something our sport needs more of, um, you know, challenging uh, challenging ex NHL players to hundred meter races. Uh, I think would do a lot of good for our sport. You know, I, I don't disagree with you, actually. Um, let's talk about where you are right now, and uh, what's what's the weather like there? What's what, what the what's the atmosphere like in Montreal right now? Yeah, so arrived in Montreal last night uh, in championship, so just getting ready to go race here on Sunday, heading out to the track tonight to watch the uh, the very exciting distance night, so I'm super excited to, to watch those the steeplechases in the 800s and uh, what else have we got on tonight? The 500s, the uh, 5Ks, I guess, so. Should be a really exciting night, and the weather honestly looks pretty good uh, compared to what it was here last week. I, I think I heard from people saying it was over 40 degrees here last week. So uh, I think right now it's a comfortable. I haven't been outside yet, but I think it's a comfortable 23, 24 degrees. So yeah, certainly not ideal for distance running, but as ideal as I think as possible for July in Montreal. You know, this has got to be kind of ideal for you, though. You're you're heading to to Lima for the Pan Am Games in in just a week's time, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So this this sort of training, I don't think you would get too often in Vancouver, would you? Uh, yeah, this actually, I say the weather today is very Vancouver. How mm. Vancouver's been the last couple weeks? Um, maybe a little bit more humid than Vancouver, but. Um, We've yeah we've been pretty lucky with the temperature in Vancouver the last little bit so I've been getting making sure that I sleep in a little bit uh, and get get out the door sort of nine ten o'clock in the morning to really you know, stress my body get ready for that heat because Doha I mean Doha is going to be going to be sweltering and Tokyo in a year's time is going to be sweltering so just trying to get as much uh, much adaptation and much time out there in the sun training in the heat as I can just to you know get more I think right now it's more just confidence that I can do it and then as we get closer to just getting sure we get all those heat adaptations working with Trent Stellingworth to make sure we're, we're fully ready to go physiologically. But um, yeah, definitely this weather is pretty, pretty ideal for getting a little bit of that heat stimulus in. Uh, Trent and I will be working on, I'll be taking that little temperature pill again before the race on Sunday, just to measure what my core temperature looks like. So we'll take it in the morning and we'll see how my core temperature rises during my warm up. Uh, I'll do some pre-cooling, so I'll do an ice bath and cold towels sort of in the 15 minutes before the race. We'll be able to see how my core temperature drops 
and then we'll see how my core temperature rises over the course of the race and and use that information to help guide our cooling principles and our you know gives us tons of knowledge heading into Tokyo next year for what my heat response is like. So um, really great opportunity here at Nationals to do that and to work alongside the IST team that we have. It's so perfect and, and really you know, best amongst the best in the world. So um, it's great to use these opportunities and to, to, something, you know, to use Nationals as a learning opportunity. That's perfect for me. What are the big goals for Pan Ams? Uh, standing on that podium again. Um, you know, I, uh, I got kind of addicted to that feeling in Toronto, uh, four years ago. So huh. I'd love, I'd love to stand atop the podium again. Um, but, uh, realistically racing 20 K, um, if I can, if I can fight for a medal and, and be in that, in that conversation, that'd be awesome. I don't think the guys are going to let me race the way I raced four years ago when I, I went off the front at two K and built up a minute and a half lead before they realized that I wasn't joking and that I wasn't going to blow up and come back to them. So I think that's a, that's a strategy that only works once. Um, so I'll have to race it a little bit differently this time around, but uh, certainly the goal is to win a medal and uh, all my training indicates that that's certainly possible. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. All right. We are, uh, we're on the, the road to Tokyo now, I guess. Uh, you know, what, what are the next couple of events that, that people can watch you at? Uh, and and really get a, a sense for for which which way you're heading in. Yeah, so uh, next a week Sunday, so August fourth, Pan Am Games. Um, that'll be that'll be streamed on CBC, so that's a good one to watch. And following that, I head to uh, I head to St. Moritz to get some altitude training in, down to Barcelona for some heat training, and then it's it, it's World Champs Doha, um, end of September there, early early October. Um, so the whole team will be down there. We'll all be chasing medals, trying to break that goose egg that uh, that was London. So we're hope, hoping that that's not the case for uh, Canadian track and field again. And I think we got a ton of good athletes who are going to make sure that that doesn't happen. That are going to be standing on that podium in Doha. So yeah, it should be a fun uh, a fun fall. And then next year, it's just all about gearing up for Tokyo. Well, it's uh, it's certainly been an exciting year so far, and uh, you know I I can only see you know even better things coming for you this year, man. I always appreciate you being on. It's uh, it's always good conversation. It's always always great catching up with you, Evan. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure as always. As always, big thanks to the guest, Evan, for a great conversation. Thanks to Tracky for their ongoing support, and thanks to you for listening. For more episodes online, you can find them at tracky.ca or iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And hey, while you're there, give us a rating, a subscribe, maybe a comment. We always enjoy hearing from you. My name is Michael Rokas. You've been listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on both Twitter and Instagram, a Tracky Radio production. <laughs>